Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the pastoral epistles with the conclusion of Paul's letter to Titus, entitled, Support for the Ministry, preached July the 26, 2015. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Titus, chapter 3, verse 12. We have come to the end, the conclusion of Paul's letter to Titus. The subject here is support for Christian ministry. The conclusion of Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 3, 12 through 15, teaches that God will support those ministers who are called and sent by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the laborer is worthy of his wages. No soldier of any country supports himself. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. The Lord is our shepherd, and so his ministers shall lack nothing. Many ministers are either called by a church or called by themselves. Friends, such people do not preach the gospel and they shall always lack support. Jesus said, Matthew 10, do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic, or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. And in Luke chapter 10, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Shalom. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. The Lord is with every true minister. I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the ages, to provide and protect. Friends, this has been my story. My story is written in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. For now and evermore. Amen. So I want to speak to you. From this text, certain apostolic instructions for us to obey. Instruction number one. St. Paul commands Titus to leave Crete and join him at Nicopolis when he sends Artemis or Tychicus to replace him. Titus Timothy, Tychicus, Crescens, and Mark were Paul's delegates, representatives. 
They did not work in one place permanently. The permanent officers of God's church are elders and pastors. Titus was sent to Crete to appoint elders in every church. And Paul would later send Titus to Dalmatia, as we read in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. So Titus must join Paul when he is sent to replace him, Artemis or Tychicus. At this time, he is not certain which one to send. God would make that clear in the future as he prays. When we are not sure, friends, we must pray about the matter. And God who is light will enlighten us and guide us in the way we ought to go. We do not know anything about Artemis. Tychicus was from Ephesus. He traveled with St. Paul to Jerusalem with the offering to help the poor there. Paul calls him a dear brother who is trustworthy. Can I say about you that you are trustworthy? This Tychicus was the bearer of Ephesians and Colossians to the respective churches. Titus is to join Paul as soon as his replacement came. You must obey the apostle. He is to join him at Nicopolis, 200 miles northwest of Athens. It was a port city, the capital of Epirus in Greece. It was a Roman colony founded by Augustus in 31 BC, celebrating his victory at Actium in the battle against Antony and Cleopatra. It was a fine winter resort. God guided him to spend the winter months there. He was very certain of it. I have decided in the perfect tense. When people could not travel, they spent their winter months, three months, in certain places. Nicopolis was a winter resort. It was God's plan that Paul and Titus evangelize the people who would winter at Nicopolis and surrounding area. Friends, he is not going there for vacation. The ministers of the gospel are always on the job. He is always engaged in the gospel business. Of course, he is also desiring to enjoy fellowship with Titus. Later, Paul would instruct Timothy to join him in Rome before winter 
comes. Second Timothy 4 verse 21. The second apostolic instruction. Titus is further instructed to do his best to provide hospitality and to give a good send-off to two ministers Paul is sending to another destination. The ministers are Zenas and Apollos. Zenas was a lawyer probably practicing Roman law. Apollos was a brilliant theologian, a Jew from Alexandria. We are told he was mighty in scriptures and fervent in spirit. Yet he was humble and teachable. Though he had accurate knowledge of Jesus, Aquila and Priscilla gave him accurate knowledge of Christian baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit, of which he did not know accurately. This Apollos worked in Corinth preaching the gospel. So we read in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. God's sent ministers are to be supported by God's people. The Greek word propempo has the technical meaning of providing every necessary support for true ministers. I said true ministers. There are many ministers who are false and therefore be rejected by testing them by the essential gospel. We read in 2 John 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, apostolic teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. And 1 John 4, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Or Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. I know your deeds. Your hard work. And your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles. But are not. And have found them false. Friends you have to know essential theology. And you have to be filled with the spirit to know who are God called and sent ministers of the gospel. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, 
masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. If you do not understand very clearly the essential theology and if you are not led by the Holy Spirit, these false so-called ministers will deceive people by preaching a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit. And be warned, Paul writes in Galatians 1, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. A lot of people and throughout the world today are perverting the gospel. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be cursed. True. God-sent ministers will be supported by the true people of God. They will provide for them while they minister to them. And when they leave, God's people will give them a good send-off, supplying them with all necessary things for the next leg of the missionary journey. With money, food, Arranging for companions, means of travel, clothing, and the like. Greek lexicon, Bauer, Aunt, and Gingrich. So this word propempo is very, very important. Send them off. And we read this in several places in the Bible. Acts 15.3, the church send them on their way. That is, giving them whatever necessary. Romans fifteen twenty four. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and have you sent me, assist me. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6, perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can... Help me, the same word. First Corinthians 16 and 11. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace. And here in Titus 3, do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and so on. Or look at Third John 5 through 8. Listen carefully. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Jesus said, if they receive you, they receive me. If they receive me, they receive 
the father who sent me. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name they went out. They trusted in God when they went out to preach the gospel. Receiving no help from pagans. Notice, we ought, or fail, O men, we ought, it's our duty, we ought to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Everybody is not called for full time ministry as a a pastor. But you, when you help, you are contributing to the work of God. Galatians 6 verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. 1 Timothy 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. 1 Corinthians 9, 4. Don't we have the right, exousia, divinely given right to food and drink? 1 Corinthians 9.14 In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Friends, the prophet Elijah was sent by God. And so he commanded a raven to bring him daily bread and meat. Then he was sent to a very poor widow. And she provided him with water and bread. Then he went his own way. Away from serving Christ. And God sent an angel. And we read in 1 King 19. And provided him with water and fresh bread. Friends, if God call me, he will take care of me. He has many ways to do so. And so, Bible teaches that we give for the Lord's work generously, joyfully, proportionally to your income and sacrificially. Knowing this, that those who sow to the gospel, those who preach, have divine right to reap a material harvest for their physical support. And this divine right appears five times in 1 Corinthians 4 through 14. Exousia. And if you want to know more, read my book, The Joy of Christian Giving. The third apostolic instruction Let our people learn of doing good works. In the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus, there is a great emphasis on doing the work of the Lord. You know, Cretans 
were known for their laziness. Titus 1 verse 12, even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And verse 16 of chapter 1 of Titus, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. They were like the one talent man who hid his talent, refusing to work. But Christian Cretans are to learn to work hard. Six days a week. And abound in good works. So the master told this one talent man. You wicked and lazy servant. And then he told others. Throw that worthless servant outside. Into the darkness. Where there will be weeping. And gnashing of teeth. Translation, throw him to hell. So you read in Titus 2 and verse 7. In everything set them an example by doing what is good. Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager, zealous to do what is good. Titus 3.1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. In Titus 3.14, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. In order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live an unproductive, unsuccessful life. 1 Thessalonians 4, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. A failure person, a lazy person, is not going to bring people to Jesus Christ. And Second Thessalonians 3, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. True Christians are hardworking and therefore very successful in the sight of God. They work hard to please the Lord. Jesus said, my father is working always until now and I work and we could also say the Holy Spirit has been working Jesus said occupy until I come 
We are not told to go to a monastery and eat food belong to somebody else. Occupy means work. Engage in business. He who stole, let him steal no longer. Let him work with his hands that he may have something to give to those who are in need. Some Thessalonian Christians were not working yet. They did not stop eating. Did you notice that sir? We are to work to support our family, parents, grandparents, pastors and those in real need in the church. They are to work hard to provide for necessities of the family and God's ministers. Not necessarily providing for luxuries. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 8, Be content if we have food and clothing. Lydia was a successful, hard-working person. She heard the gospel, she believed the gospel, and invited Paul and others to stay with her. She said, Acts 16, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Believers are to work hard that ministers may lack nothing, and the believers may become very fruitful. Fruitfulness is the result of our union with Jesus Christ, who is the vine, and we are the branches. Fruitfulness evidences our salvation. We are to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit for God's glory. A disobedient and unfruitful and lazy Christian is a fraud. An unfruitful pastor, a pastor without sheep, is a fraud. Such pastors or missionaries live off of other people's labor. They depend on money forever from the so-called mission boards. God wants pastors and all Christians to be hardworking and highly productive. So we read in Acts 20, 34 and 35, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Thessalonians 5, now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And the Bible tells us, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Abound in the work of the Lord. First Timothy 6.18 Command them to do good. To be rich in good works. Rich sir. Not poor. That's the fourth point. Apostolic greeting. 
says all believers with me greet you. The church universal is one family. Children by adoption by our heavenly father. So we greet one another with meaningful greeting. No matter where the people of God are. There are people who go from one church to another church and they never communicate. They are frauds. They don't understand we are all one family. So we greet one another with meaningful greeting. Remember Boaz in Ruth chapter 2 verse 4. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Meaningful greeting. The Lord be with you. You believe that greeting. That's all you need. And the people said to him. The Lord bless you. You receive that by faith. The angel Gabriel came to Mary. Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. If the Lord is with us nothing else matters. Matthew 10. As you enter the home give it your greeting. Shalom. Aleichem. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. You are offering peace in the Lord Jesus Christ to that house. Greeting has meaning, sir. Greet those who love us in the common faith in Jesus Christ. It is not for everybody, the greeting. The greeting is limited to those who love us. Us in the faith. That means those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let me tell you seven things about love. Love greets, that is, communicates. Love seeks fellowship. Love gives. Love sacrifices. Love never divorces or leaves. Love abides forever. This love is a divine love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This love is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is called undying love. The apostle pronounced a curse on those who do not love Jesus and his church. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. This is true of anyone who will not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that. A curse is on him. You are damned. Consigned to hell. That's what it means. Hebrews 3, 12, a sinful and unbelieving heart. Finally, he says, grace be with all of you. That is all who are true believers everywhere. Friends, understand this. We live by grace daily. We don't know what is going to happen. When the evil day comes, we must have grace. Grace, sir. We live by grace daily. We need grace to live and we need grace to die. 
to die in faith. Anybody can die. Either you die in faith or you die in your sin. Without grace, we can do nothing. Friends, thank God, God abounds grace to us that we may abound in every good work. What God demands, he enables you to perform. And his grace is all sufficient. And he tells us he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, the arrogant, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those who come to the throne of grace in worship and prayer. You read that today. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I live by grace and so also you live by grace. Thank God for the means of grace. Use it. Every day use it. That you may receive grace. Notice in this letter. To Titus. He greeted them with grace. Verse 4. To Titus. My true son in the faith. Grace and peace from God the Father. And then he told us. This grace brings salvation. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And this grace teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. If you are not living a holy life, you are a fake. You don't have grace. This grace teaches us to live a holy life. Titus 3, 7 says, so that having been justified by his grace, grace justifies us. And finally, we are told, everyone with me sends you greetings, greet those who love us in the faith. And then the last word, grace be with you forever. Sir, we begin by grace, we live by grace, and grace will be with us forever. That's why we are not afraid of anything. We are not afraid to live. We are not afraid to die. We are not afraid when we drive or when we fly. We have to do our work, but thank God, God is with us. And therefore, grace is with us. What grace? Grace that is sufficient for all our needs. What is it we should do? He gives grace to the humble. Humble are people who read the Bible and obey the Bible. They pray to God. Oh God, I need you. And he comes to you. He helps you. And he delivers you from all our troubles. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you help us to receive grace and live by grace a life that will bring glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.